Boom. All right, we're good. Uh, let me bring up my notes for all this jazz. I ended up punching my microphone on accident during one of those claps. Bah, take that. Sennheiser E835. I think Damn. that's what it is. Uh, it is... E935. Oh! You're damn close. You knew it was a Sennheiser. The problem is, is that Sennheiser doesn't do anything distinctive to name their microphones. It's just they're all just a series of three letter or three numbers. I do have an 895. It's got a silver cap, not a blue cap. I knew you. Ha- I knew you had one and one, so I had a 50 shot. Actually, of... it's a black cap, silver body. Yeah. Uh, I just I like this one in my voice a lot. No, it's a good it's a good sounding microphone. I yeah. dare I say for a hundred and whatever dollars, it's a better than a 57. Yeah, I mean i I don't like it as much on like I mean I would still use like a fifty seven on snare rather than this, but like for any kind of toms. Oh yeah, hell, yeah, I've yeah. even recorded back in the day. I recorded kick drum with this fucking thing, and it sounds pretty damn good. It's got a great low end response. That's why I like it on my voice. Is because it, it kind of like thickens out a little bit of that like weird mid range thing. Yeah, it doesn't do the wonky uh, mid range thing that the fifty eights and fifty sevens do. Yeah, yeah, um, I've like grown to not be a fan of condenser mics on my voice like i do like i like the v67g but i feel like it just adds a little bit too much crispiness that i find hard to tame gotcha you know i'd rather a little bit duller of a sound that i could then brighten up with an eq around like 10k rather than subtracting yeah rather than having that crispiness where it's like it's not even a part of the frequency range it's just a part of the tonality in general yeah, I wonder what your voice would sound like on a real 67 as opposed to yeah, the $70 kind of <laughs> yeah. knockoff ones that we have. Yeah, I just have found in general with condenser mics that they really just like... Because I feel like I have a pretty bright voice for the yes, most part. for sure. And so like they, just the condenser mics just exacerbate that to a point that I'm not really a fan of. Yeah, it makes sense. I do like the 67s as room mics, though. Oh, hell yeah. They're my favorite affordable drum room mic. Yeah, no, I love them. For, I guess for the right thing. I, like, if you need a, a more punchy drum tone, they're probably not the right choice. You still but work with them, though. For roomy, like... But I lo- I'm, a, I'm a roomy drum sound guy, and that yeah. conversation's actually going to come up later on. Oh, hell I yeah. I imagine... So, yeah, let's, uh, you want to get this, uh, song yeah. breakdown series started? Let's do it. You there? Did you freeze? Yeah. No, I'm here. You here? Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm here, but am I, are any of us really here? I'm not sure. <laughs> no one knows these days. Do you want to introduce what we're doing or should I introduce what we're doing? Whatever. You pick. Uh, I can do it. You can do it. Well, I guess just the um, the point of this side series of podcast episodes is just you and I highlighting our different tastes of music, sort of. Yeah. Not highlighting our differences, but just sitting down and having actual dedicated discussions as to why you and I have very similar but very very opposite tastes all at the same time yeah and i just want there to be 
differing opinions on the internet that are not hostile. Oh, it's going to get hostile, motherfucker. Okay, good, because <laughs> I, I have a second page of note, or, well, I have a second document of notes that's called, like, just in case. I called it my football, so if you get hostile, I'm going to open that one, and I'm just going <laughs> to tear you apart. I'm going to open the black box and nuclear codes, baby. Yeah. Uh, no, not at all. I There's going to be some, like... I don't think disagreements are the right words, but like in highlighting my point, I found that like it's everything that I said that's like something that I didn't dig on, it it reverted to a knock on myself and not mm. actually what's going on in the songs. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. Instead of like, well, I immediately didn't like this, so obviously this song sucks. Like <laughs> let's try to be intelligent about stuff and uh, dissect it. And I thought the production class when we were in audio school was one of the most fun classes because you just got to sit there and talk about music for two days. Oh, yeah. I love that. So might as well make a uh, dedicated hobby out of it. Oh, God, there's a beard hair stuck in the foam of my microphone. (laughs) Yeah, I got some grody-ass shit here in my... Gross. Yeah. Cool. So uh, what... What tune do you want to start with? You want to start with one of well, you want to do a two with one of You want to do a two? quick you want to do a quick little intro? Oh yeah, we should probably highlight what songs we're doing. Yeah. And like a welcome, like welcome to Oh yes, welcome to the Backseat Podcast or Backseat Playlist Podcast Song Breakdown Series Episode 1. Did that sound cool? Like Yeah, welcoming? I liked it. I, I felt like you I was... were li- it was a little creepy. You were very soft and almost kind of uh, Buffalo Bill, like. <laughs> All right, I'll try it again. <clears throat> well, uh, welcome to the uh, backseat podcast. Uh, backseat, pl- I keep saying backseat podcast. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's definitely creepy. Howdy there, partner. <laughs> Why? We're gonna break down some podcasts for you. I mean, songs on our on podcast. On this year, pot. Everyone who has listened to this episode after it gets published, has made it six minutes and 52 seconds in and has shut it off at this point. <laughs> That's why we're going to edit a lot of this out. <laughs> That's why I take long pauses, because I make a mental note of, like, you can cut this out, because no one's going to need it. <laughs> It'll be oh. 10 minutes of us doing impressions trying to open up the show. Welcome to the Backseat Playlist podcast, where we break down songs that we like. And our thoughts on them might be different or bad, <laughs> like this walking impression that's totally going to air for people to hear on the internet. I Dear thoroughly Lord. enjoyed it. I wish you would talk like that this entire episode. If I get started on a Christopher Walken and I carry it on long enough, like if I'm if like 20 minutes of it scattered in and out of my day, it's just th- I can't stop it. We should do a, an EP of songs where you're the vocalist and you do a Christopher Walken impression the entire time you sing. I mean, there's nothing else to do, so. True, exactly. Why not do that? All right, so what do we got on the table today? We are breaking down some songs that we, uh, that we you sound, mentioned. You sound the, uh, so excited. Me? I am. All right. <laughs> you got to be excited. For real this time. I'm going to get into character. All right. Yes, so the purpose of this episode and hopefully future episodes of the like will be Phoenix and I both picking two songs that he and I, that we like 
So Phoenix is picking picked two songs that he likes. I picked two songs that I like, and then we both we ruin our friendship. <laughs> all four of them. I'm breaking up. What? No, I said, and then we ruin our friendship. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, this is going to be a gamble because I picked two songs, kind of intentionally that weren't very Phoenix esque in their production and arrangement and phoenix definitely picked two songs that are not very adam-esque in their productions and arrangements oh just wait till we get a couple more episodes and i'm really gonna throw you some curveballs <laughs> it's gonna be great you're gonna pick something so proggy one day where my note is literally just gonna be explain to me what's going on because i cannot <laughs> comprehend this, this for one of the a... songs i literally have a note that says Please start off this segment by saying, I don't think I'm smart enough to understand this. <laughs> this song was actually recorded by a Haitian stripper playing a metal spoon against a plastic pickle, tu- pickle tub. <clears throat> yeah. Nah. But is the arrangement open enough for me to be able to headbang to it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, then we're good. Then I'll probably. She starts like yodeling. It. It's amazing. Cool. So these four songs that we will be discussing today are, I feel like it's conceited of me to start with my songs first. So Phoenix, I will let you announce your two picks of this playlist. So I picked um, 17 by Four Years Strong. It's off their most recent album called Brain Pain. Um, and I also picked the 2015 song Ebb and Flow by The Contortionist off of their album Language. And then for my picks, I picked the song The Earth Will Shake by Thrice off of their 2005 album Visu and Climbing Up the Walls by Radiohead off of their 1997 release OK Computer. I like how you stated that, like, I picked two releases that Phoenix probably won't like, even though you know I like Thrice. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying that you don't... How do I word this? It's not my typical wheelhouse. It's not necessarily, like, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not saying... it. Don't like was too strong of a term, but, like, something that when you and I... Like, when I get in the car, Thrice and Radiohead are going to be two of my first... 10 choices of what yeah. I'm going to listen to. Yeah, no, fair enough. No, I get you. Which is the whole point of this podcast. So let's uh, let's get rocking and rolling. Uh, I like that when we recorded an episode yesterday that will be out before this episode is published, you talk how you like to stay really modern. So you're out, you're, uh, your picks came out in 2015 and 2020. Yeah. And then I was talking about, like, I'm in a rediscovery phase where I'm listening to stuff that's been out for forever, and my picks are from 1997 and 2005. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that I don't I don't like old stuff, because I think, like, yesterday I mentioned I've been listening to the MTV Unplugged Alice in Chains. Um, but for me, I think just because of my interests, especially into more progressive style musics, I like hearing new things, things that maybe haven't been done before or right. things that haven't been engineered that way before. Um, and it's not to say that anything is like completely brand new, but it's a vault. It's, it's definitely like a next step in like, Oh wow. I've never heard that be done by a band like this before. And so I really enjoy trying to find new stuff. And sometimes it's, it's new, new music to me, but it could be old, you know, that's how that's um, the phase I'm in. Yeah. Now, but I'm 
probably not as smart in terms of like music theory as you are. So anything that I learn, like regardless of time period, if it was like a previous musical concept I couldn't grasp, it's still new to me. Yeah. So, but I just feel the need to over explain that like none of this is meant to be an attack on anything. It's just two people with their own opinions trying to be as civil as possible from an analytical, professional, and knowledgeable mindset. This this episode's going to end with us starting a riot somewhere. <laughs> you can't slam a Zoom meeting over. So even if it ends poorly, which it will not, it won't yeah. be as... It'd be an uh, aggressive mouse click. The angry party would like. <laughs> I don't know why I <laughs> keep saying like, this is going to start some like... I know, right? I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like we're probably going to have like one nerd listening to us who's like way too attached to one of these songs and one of us is going to say something that we like isn't a critique, but is like, oh, I like my tastes are different and they're going to be like, F you, whomever says what I don't agree with and I, I, I reject your opinion. I feel like honestly, the majority of people will be like, "What the fuck are these guys listening to? This music yeah, sucks." No one, no one, <laughs> no one who isn't like Jim is gonna listen to this episode the whole way through. Who knows? Maybe we'll be surprised. But uh, you want to get into it? You want me to start off? Yeah. All right. So I'll start off with the uh, the more the more simple one, uh, and uh, that would be Seventeen by Four Years Strong. Um, so I, I love this record. Um, so my friend and bandmate Andy, um, he's the one that, that got me into them. They're like his favorite band. And so when this record dropped, he was like, dude, you got to check this shit out. And my mind was just blown. So these guys have been around a long time. And I'll, I'll start off with like some of the things that like, I don't know, not bad things, I guess. But um, so like their songwriting is, is nothing to be like, oh my God, this is so revolutionary and new. You know, they've been kind of doing their, they've got their vibe, they've got their niche of their sound. It's that kind of, um, I don't want to say hardcore pop punk, but like it's it's a little bit heavier than the, your typical pop punk. Um, it's but I would musically still... pop punk, but it's vocally not pop punk. Yeah. I, I feel like, a, like it, when you say pop punk, people assume you have that like Tom DeLong kind of like... Or like all time low, that Blink One Eighty Two whiny vocal thing, and it's not yeah. that. It's you a know, weird it's, it's kind of that thing. shouty singing. Yeah. Um. But so like, but the, the songs are great though. They're just they're all they're all radio hits, you know. And that that like not that they they actually are, but that's my kind of my way to categorize how good a song is. It's like they're just they're really solid all the way through. They all have catchy choruses. They've got solid verses. Um. The lyrics are all really great. They're all really um relatable. Um, no matter where you are in your life and stuff like that. And, you know, you don't have to be too invested in it. It's not like some albums, like um, like the next song that I'll talk about, where it's a, it's a heavy emotional investment when you get into it. Whereas this, it's just very light, very enjoyable. Um, you could be in a bad mood and be like, fuck yeah, I love this song, or you can be in a great mood. Um, but what I love about this song, um, and especially the, the record, um, is the engineering, the production on this. So this was uh, this was mixed and produced by Will Putney, um, and I'm a huge fan of him. He's insane. He, he's incredible. I, it, I just um, I went back and I just watched his uh, nail the mix that he did for uh, on the Knocked Loose record, and his setup is crazy. His blend of in the box to to his outboard gear and back is just it's fucking crazy. It's if anybody out there has nailed the mix, go check that one out. It's it's incredible just seeing his entire rig and how he he routes everything. 
he did the last Every Time I Die record, and he's doing the one that's going to be released this year, and it's probably going to be equally as awesome. He, his shit just slams, and I feel like every every record he puts out, like he does something new. Like I feel like you can you can hear a record and be like, oh yeah, it's a Will Putney record, but it's not because everything sounds the exact same. But there's just this quality of just like, yep, that slams, and you know it's Will Putney. But it's like, you know, like the Knocked Loose record versus this record are very different. Same like, thing with um every time I die, yeah, they're yeah. very different bands, but his engineering style adapts to each one of those bands, and he just he fucking brings it. Like he always so does my, one thing a record where I'm like, it's unfair that you got that sound, right? Like, right? Like that's how I feel about the guitar, like the guitar tones on this record. I'm just holy shit, they I, are just so fat, dude. My, they are insane. Well, yeah, one of my notes is I've never heard guitar tones like this, uh, ever in right. <laughs> And it's musically kind of something that you and I would listen to something that's in a similar ballpark, like, all the time. Mm -hmm. And I've just, I was blown away by those. Yeah, no, I, I, I that was the first thing that struck me when I first heard, heard this record was just, these guitar tones are incredible. Um, I know in the past, uh, he's got a whole patch based system where he patches into different cabinets and he blends like three or four different cabinets together to get like one guitar tone um i know i'm i'm assuming he probably did the same thing here um yeah i, I feel like all the engineers that i look up to always are always blending tones to get the guitar tone it's never just a yeah it's never one, just like one yeah. amp one one speaker it's always a, a multitude of different ones um but and yeah, the sounds no, and he I, gets is just like i said it's unfair they're so deep. There's so much depth to them. It's crazy. Like I feel like a lot of the times you either get this this sense of depth, um, but then it's a little mushy, or you get that really punchy heavy guitar, but there's just nothing in the back end. But he was able to get both both yeah, aspects. Yeah, he gets there. like the analog Chris. Like no, he gets like the amp sim clarity, but it has like the the life and mojo of. Yeah. analog and it doesn't have that weird analog like dryness like wonkiness mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah, like when you I can, know, I completely like, agree you can definitely that... be like oh that's a real cab because it's definitely mic'd wrong like you can tell mm -hmm. pretty easily but like yeah i don't i don't know what he did specifically but i want to because I know. I, I'm like dying to find out what, would, what kind of stuff he did. It on would that. be the only way I mic guitars from here on out. I'd just be like, "Well, yeah. that's what Will Putney does." So, well, and I think I think one of the things I noticed, and it's very it's very prominent on this song, um, but there's an octaver. So when you hear that that main riff that they do, dun da da dun dun da da dun dun da da dee dun, there's clearly an octaver on the guitar, um, and, it, and it's used as like a, a, a an effect. Um, yeah. But I think listening to like some of the other parts in the song where they go to chords, I want I feel like he is using a low like an octaver like a low octaver as part of the tone because there are certain times when I'm listening to it and I feel like I'm hearing lower frequencies than what the chord actually would be, and so I I have a feeling that he might have blended in a low octave of all the guitars in there to really get that that depth and that fatness. Yeah, I imagine he, I mean, he probably does something similar to like what Andrew Wade does where he gets all the low end just from a DI. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, maybe like maybe he's octaving down the DI to like give it that 
sort that of that depth and then a little bit of that clarity like what you're saying with that like smooth the smooth low end that mm-hmm. guitar amps don't deliver what yeah. people want in their guitar sound yeah no that that's a possibility we'll have to mess around with that kind of that's stuff just to see a, what a thought get. that occurred to me um, the i also love i love no, the bass you. i love the bass and i love how the bass sits with the guitars like i feel like that's that is one of those really expert level things is Where to have just, you can't the like the amateur ear couldn't tell them apart yeah um and especially for this style of music where um you don't really the bass isn't necessarily doing anything very different than the guitars and so you want it to lock in exactly and you want it to all sound like it's one instrument and i love that and i feel like that's such a difficult thing to do because like but you can still hear the bass though like if you have the ear to listen for it and you know what you're listening for you can clearly hear what the bassist is doing and you can hear the tone that he got but when you just step back from that and enjoy it all, it all just blends together and you just hear the band, you know? It's a, and I think it's a really massive incredible. massive wall of fantastic guitar and bass yeah. sounds. Um, I think the one, the one thing um, I don't like, and this is just preference, this is not really a critique and saying that I think it's bad or wrong, it's just a preference, um, is the drum tones. That's where it kind of fell yeah, flat for me. Um. So I feel like they are they're all so high end. They all have so much like high end in them that they almost all sound like the same drum. Like yep. it, it can be pretty difficult to tell the toms and the kick apart. I have um, a note in all caps and bold that just says holy click drum. Yeah. And you yeah, know, that, I'm not a big fan of like dead drums. Mm-hmm. Like the the drums in the song do the job. Yeah, yeah. But definitely. From someone of what I'm into and just stylistically like we said in our top of show ramblings like i love crushed roomy drum sounds and that just wasn't in this song oh no it's it's all up front it's all attack based i mean there's there i think there's one part in the bridge when that i i really like where he pushes all the all the instruments but the drums back into a reverb and you can hear the drums yeah. And in that part, you can hear a little bit of the body and life of the drums. But other than that, it really, it is. It's all just front and attack right in your face. Um, and in it's that weird... way on the entire record. Continue. Sorry, I cut you off. I'm trying to not uh, interrupt you as much. Oh, it's all good. But I, but at the same time, I feel like I understand why he did that. Um, because with the, with the wall of sound that he has going with those guitars and the bass and then how big all the vocals are, because it's, it's two vocalists and they, they go back and forth and they both have really large voices that I feel like they just, that they're, the frequency ranges and the, the, the size of their voices just really take up a lot of the stereo spectrum. So I feel like to get those drums to be audible and as punchy, he had to boost the high end. He had to get them there. I feel like that was maybe an artistic choice but also maybe i will dare to say maybe a a slight compromise to be able to get the drums to a place where they fit in the mix he had to kind of tonally really push them like he did yeah will putney's usually a a pretty dead drum guy from what i've listened to like in in a lot of his recordings and mixes the drums are typically more they're just more muffled than what Mm -hmm. i would typically lean to as just the, the taste but he also last... works on music that's so aggressive that there's no time yeah. for there's any no room overtones. for it. Yeah, it's it's all got to be punch and attack. I will say though, on the Knocked Loose record that he did, he did get a really nice ringiness to a lot of the drums because Knocked Loose is a little bit they're very hardcore with a little bit it's of a little punk more influence. Open. A little bit, a little bit. Um, I'm not and it, super familiar with them. 
Yeah, um, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of them. I'm not a huge fan of the vocalist, but I do like their their instrumentation. Um, and I do like the drum tones he got on there. They're a little bit more chaotic. They're they're less um, they're less tuned in and fine fine tuned. You know, they're a little bit more tonally just like explosive and ringy. Um, yeah. Whereas this is very just straight down the middle, in your face, just glued to the to the to the speaker. You know, which I, I do really like. Yeah, I did make a note where it's like it almost sounds like the only reason that the drums are cutting through is because they're EQ'd to cut through and they weren't just naturally going to do that. Yeah, no, exactly. That's how I feel too. And I imagine there's probably some samples mixed in, but... Oh, yeah. No, definitely. It's not... It's just not my, like... It's never going to be a drum sound that I gravitate to. Mm-hmm. It's like how I don't like tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely not my preferred drum sound, but I think for that song and for that record, it works. Yeah. Um, it can be a little, honestly, it can be a little fatiguing listening to the whole record just because the whole record is like slams like that, which mm. is fucking awesome. Um, but I will say at times the high end, and I've noticed that about a lot of his mixes, he really likes to push the high end. I mean, that's a that's a pretty modern thing to do yeah. in most rock and metal is we like our mixes super bright. Um, but especially his. Um, uh, yeah, I think I like Low it. Teens might be his darkest sounding record. Yeah. yeah. Just um, but a, that was also what? A frequency. Ten, ten years ago? When did that come out? Yeah. September 2016. What? Really? Yeah. I swear that record was a lot older than that. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. said 10 years ago. Maybe it's not that old then. But yeah, no, as far as everything at like that will do. I thought the uh, the panning in that song was very interesting. It sounds like everything's out hard left and right except for the vocals, the hi-hat, the snare, the kick, and like some ambient effect things that are just in the background. Yeah, no, I really love the, the ambient effects tracks. I think some of them are guitars, some of them are synth-based, but I love the way that he... He's got the the main guitars and the bass and the drums all pretty glued in to one spot and they don't move, but he creates this this movement with those ambient tracks where you'll sometimes hear them in the left speaker kind of popping through, sometimes you'll hear them in the right and then just um, swimming up the center which is like yeah. really cool and it's hard to pull that off, that specific like something that sounds far away from you but in front of you in a mix. Mhm. Yeah, and that's cuz I, I try and fail at that a lot. And I love how so you you can hear that in like the first two thirds of the song, you know, because you've got you've got the main riffs driving, and you hear these these little in and outs of these like little um, affected guitars or synths, and then you get to the bridge section, like I mentioned, where everything all of a sudden just gets shoved backwards, and all becomes very spacious and reverby. Mm-hmm. And I like I like how that that kind of plays together. How he's got these things in the background the whole time, but you're focused on the the heavy instruments up front, and then when he moves to the bridge. And so I don't know if that's a, if that's an, if that's a songwriting choice. If that was a production thing, it's kind of hard. To, you never really know. It's like, oh, the the guy, the band guys could have been like, that's what we want, or it could have been Will Putney saying, how about we do this? So either way, I think it's really great because it it ties the whole song together. When you go to that ambient bridge, yeah, because you would it, lose so much if it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Because when you go to the ambient bridge, it doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere, you know? Because like mm-hmm. even though the rest of the song is like these heavy guitars. It, always, it doesn't feel like, what the fuck just happened? Because you've had these in the background the whole time, subconsciously you're hearing them. Mm-hmm. They're not in the foreground, they're not the, the main focal point of the song, but then when it moves to that bridge, you're like, oh, yeah, this is familiar, I know this, and then it swells back in. I just think it's brilliant the way I, they did that. 
I found that the uh, the lo-fi kind of vocal tone in that bridge is very similar to the lo-fi vocal tone in your next pick. Yeah. It was like, oh, interesting. Like, they sound almost identical. And not in like a rip-off-y way, but just Mm-mm, a... No, yeah. Just something I noticed. I... Yeah, I like the engineering on it. I, it was definitely structured to be like a catchy, feel-good summertime pop hit almost, oh, yeah. but not a pop hit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, almost almost all the songs on that record are like that. They're all very catchy, very poppy. Um, and that, that's what I love about the record, you know? Because my next my next pick um, is definitely one of those, you got to sit down and you got yes. to listen to it. You know, it's kind of like uh, Dark Side of the Moon. You don't just listen to one song. You got to listen to all of them. The whole thing. Yeah, um, uh, just, just like, because I'm uh, a, a weird guy, like the the lyrics of the song just like bounce off me because I'm not a like... Are we still talk about 17? Yeah. I'm yeah. going to stick on that one because it'll actually transition into one of the songs that I want to talk about. Yeah. No, yeah. And I, I don't I don't pay too much attention to the lyrics with Four Year Strong, but I do like that because it kind of just, it's that, like you said, it's that fun summertime, like, oh, nostalgia, remember when we were 17, that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and that's, you know. Because I, I was just such a drip of a person when I was 17 that like all of those nostalgic callback songs are just like, <laughs> no, let's not go back there. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I have those memories. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't wish to actually be 17 again. I did a lot of stupid shit. Not a great time, but you know, it's just, I think it's that, it's that, just that, that being young and not having responsibilities kind of thing. Right. Um, and that, that's that's the the vibe that I get from the song. It's like, ah, going back to just being able to just goof the fuck off all day long and not have any responsibilities. Um, yeah. You're like, ah, I remember that. So I, I, I enjoy those songs. Yeah, see, that's where it does, because I was just such an awkward dude back then that it was just, like, I don't ever want to be that weird person again. Like, I've yeah. shedded most of that skin, and like, let's not, let's not go back. <laughs> Yeah. No, I like, can understand that. I think I'm one of the few people who's like, man, it's like when I'm like 32, things are going to be like, it's going to make so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I also love this because I grew up listening to a lot of that, this style of music. It's yeah. kind of like pop punk mixed with like a little bit of heaviness. So it, it definitely always has a, a soft spot for me. Yeah. So it's do just, we want to train? No, what were you going to say? There's parts of it like the engineering I really like, but just there's a weird thing that happens in it musically. Like, or like the the screamy feel good songs are also confusing to me, like which this kind of is, because mm-hmm. it's like you're yelling at me, but you're yelling at me to have a good time. And this <laughs> is like usually when people are yelling at me in music, it's like yeah, we're gonna like break some shit and like burn some stuff down, and it's gonna be chaos. And this is like I don't know, like yeah, no, I, I mean I get it. It's it's kind of a juxtaposition there, yeah, um, with the performance versus what they're conveying. But again, I don't it's know, just I, a taste thing. Yeah, and I, the other thing I love about the song too is like, I love the, I love how the chorus, um, and like the first two times of the chorus, it it it's over top of like the staccato riff, mm-hmm. and then after the bridge section when they bring it back in, then you get this final big lift. I feel like a lot of, a lot of mainstream songs, a lot of poppier songs, they just kind of repeat the chorus the same way for three times, um, but I love how they they build this, they build it the whole way. So you're at this kind of like. You're at like a six the entire song, and then you drop down in the bridge to like a two, and then right out of that, it shoots up to a ten where they go into these just full chord strumming, and they're repeating the chorus, and it, it feels like a new chorus all of a sudden, but it's it's the same vocals, but it just it all of a sudden just blossoms and open up, and you definitely feel this this journey because I feel like a lot of times in a lot of 
more mainstream sounding stuff. You just, you're kind of just, uh, it's just a straight line the whole way. You're either at eight or 10. Yeah. And it just kind of repeats itself where I really appreciated through the songwriting and the production that it was like, oh, even though this is a very, um, pop oriented kind of song, I really enjoyed, there was a lot of dynamics to the the songwriting and structure of it that I, I felt like I was on a journey. I felt like even in just a short three and a half minute song, I felt like, oh wow, I really felt the, uh. (laughs) I'm going to reference the the ebb and flow of the song. Um, And at the end, it just lifts all the way up, and you're like, yeah. Um, So I I really enjoyed that from a more um, mainstream kind of style song. There is a lot of movement in the song, but it's very subtle, like in terms of verse to chorus to verse to chorus to bridge to chorus chorus. I think it ends yeah. on a double chorus. But I think that's what helps it. I think think that's like a really nice balance to a song – like that where it's like a three and a half minute song where you got to get your point across and just make it memorable i think that the subtle dynamic changes and the subtle movement of that really helps it because it's not something that you have to think about it just kind of happens and you you're not consciously aware of it but it it's causing you to feel something right i do get that main like guitar melody stuck in my head right and that's what I love about that song too, is that it's like, it's not only the vocals that are catchy, that guitar riff is just so iconic. You hear that and you're like, oh, yep, that's in my head now. It's probably something that won't ever make it onto an iTunes playlist of mine. But if it comes on, I won't get upset. Yeah, no, I get that. So that's kind of my thoughts on that song. So did you say you wanted to segue in 20 years from that? Yeah, I wanted, like, gotta... and this just, <laughs> it, it's such a weird thing as I said, because like I've never related to the, the callbacky like nostalgic feel-good songs, just because mm-hmm. I was always just stuck in my own head. So like when I was 17, like I was much more in a mental state of mind of like climbing up the walls by Radiohead. Yeah. Not musically, but just, like, when people call back to, like, the teenage years, like, for me, it was just uncomfortable and and unnecessarily dark by my own doing for, like, no, like, just weird reasons, you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, I, it, it took me 23 and a half years to get into Radiohead. And then once I started listening to them and appreciating them and becoming a fan, I now get what all like the the Radiohead snob people say when you're like, you have to listen to them, not hear them. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm now a huge fan. But like, my first encounter with the song is when I was doing Waylon K. Smith's EP, the Stereo Flame EP. Yeah. And Waylon's a huge Radiohead fan, so I was like, okay, well I'll I'll have to give them some listens to. You know, just understand where someone that you're recording is coming from. Yeah. To no, make it do that. an easier process. And on uh, the last track of that album, as my uh, Google Notes page freezes, um, on the last track of Waylon's EP, I wanted a really uncomfortable, distorted voice. So I use this song as a reference because m- the m- majority of the vocal line in this song is a clean vocal that's interleaved with a a very uncomfortable distorted vocal. Yeah, no, I like that. So I understand like 
the artistic choice. Whereas like I was ripping off the best thing because I, I, I'm always a, I'm a lyrics guy, as you know. Like the first thing I listen to when I hear a song is like, what do the drum tones sound like? And then what are they singing about? So I can try to connect to it emotionally. And I, you know, I'm the, the nerd type who will like, when I listen to a song, I like to have the lyrics pulled up so I can like simultaneously listen and and read the lyrics. It's just what I like to do. So like, it's just so cool that uh, Tom York of Radiohead got, like, he just absolutely nailed the personification of, like, fear and doubt and anxiety that people feel in their heads as, like, with just the lyrics of the song. And, like, the the production and the arrangement all just adds to it. It's a very, like, if you close your eyes and listen to the song, like, you just hear the setup for a horror movie where there's someone just alone in their house and they're like, they feel like someone's in there. So it's those suspenseful moments where they're going through the house, just checking to see if someone's in there and maybe nothing happens, but the audience in the theater watching the movie is, you know, full of suspense and fear because that's the artistic intent. And that's what lyrically this song just nails. Oh yeah, no. I, that's what, that's one of the things I really like about the song, um, is the lyrical content and how it's very it's very concise. I feel like a lot of times when, when you've got kind of this um, more, I don't want to. I guess this is the way I want to say it, ethereal concept where you're kind of more trying to just convey emotions. That there's not really a concise story or a concise event you're speaking of, but it's it's very much more. You're trying to just generate an emotion and a feeling, and I find sometimes the those kind of lyrics can really kind of all of a sudden like towards the middle of the song just kind of start feeling like they're not in the right place but I love I love how it he really just captures the feeling the entire song and doesn't let up um, yeah it, it and it gets I would imagine it like because I've never really had like a a serious like anxiety attack mm-hmm. but I feel like we all have those like existential moments where it's like you're like locked up and you're just in your own head and freaking out and then you calm down a little bit and then it comes back and like the mm-hmm. uneasiness of that song does that oh yeah like, yeah no and i love i love the lyric um when it was like uh 15 blows to the back of your head 15 blows to your mind yeah. I, I love that because um it, it generates the the sense of with with the back of the head physical physical danger and physical um harm but then i love the 15 blows to your mind and it's this kind of like it's almost kind of breaking the fourth wall in a way, kind of talking yeah. to the listener, like, this is what this song is doing to you, 15 blows to your mind, because that's kind of what, what's happening while you're listening, is you're, you're getting, like, all these, these traumatic senses of fear and, and anxiety. Yeah. And just, and like, like the, the, the imagery and the lyrics of this song, like, the, the first uh, verse when he just opens it up with, I'm the key to the lock in your house that keeps your toys in the basement. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that it's just, like, you can close your eyes and see someone walking into the house which you know someone's home should be their safe place and just imprisoning them and i think i like it so much because i you know as i've said all the time like i I used to be the type of person just constantly be in their own head and was like super scared to attempt things to like i was you know so scared of failure and i was so full of doubt that like this song just personifies that and it just it makes so much sense of it mm-hmm. and like 
it's just weird that I like that's what I was feeling when I was younger through now. Like I can curb it now that I'm doing things and succeeding at what I want to succeed at. But for the longest time, I would almost like talk myself out of going after what I want just because of the the fear of it all. And it, it just feels, it's so good to break that. So if anybody needed to hear something like that, like just trust your gut. And if you, you, you know you want something, just go for it. Hell yeah. You might fall down, you know. No one's going to kickflip on their first try. Skateboard's in the mail. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, you haven't gotten it yet? No. Uh, did I show you the one that I got? No. But uh, uh, real quick, I want to make a point. Um, so I'm not a huge Radiohead fan. I have not gotten to the point in my life where I, I totally understand it. But one of the things I do appreciate about them is the landscape that they create uh, between their their the, the, the writing itself, the music that they've written, um, the tones that they use, and the lyrical content. It all they do a really good job of connecting it all together to create yeah. this really broad picture. And it's it's always very clear what the song is trying to to make you feel. And I like that because I find a lot of times um, music and bands, um, they kind of, it doesn't always connect. You know, the lyrics don't always connect with what the music is doing and what the mood is doing. But I love, or even sometimes like just as a production standpoint, the engineer kind of misses the point and produces it in a way where all of a sudden you're like, I'm listening to this song and I get what they're trying to make me feel or trying to make me understand, but I'm just not getting that from the colors that have, have been painted here. Whereas Radiohead, they do a great job of that. Um, yeah, this one is just from a pure like artistic emotional standpoint, like they knocked it out of the park. Oh yeah. Like it's it's a very hard song to get into. So I feel like this is a, a very difficult first episode of this series because I think very few people are going to see the songs and click on it and be like oh man yeah like I love that song like mm -hmm. I want to hear what two guys on the internet think about my favorite catchy tune yeah it's not like we picked like smells like teen spirit yeah. all the small things <laughs> there's people on YouTube who actually have like the files and are doing way better jobs at that than we are <laughs> so I just want to talk about what I listen to and what I like exactly yeah but yeah, no, like Radiohead's a new venture for me, but I'm, I'm happy I finally, uh, I, I'm a snob now of a person and I get it and I'm better than people who don't get it. So yeah, that was me <laughs> and a joke. I was just kidding. God, you're a Tool fan and now a Radiohead fan. World watch I, out. No one, well, it's a good thing that social distancing is a thing because I think if you like Tool and Radiohead, no one wants to be your friend. <laughs> mm. But I like, no, just like the like, the squealy little like chimey guitar things at the beginning, just like it mm. just adds an uneasiness. Like this song's so weird because it's it's musically not very memorable, but like the feeling that the song invokes is very memorable. Yeah, and I think that was that was kind of I tried to kind of convey that in my point that I made is that like you don't what I like about them is it's not like um it's not it's not like the the four year strong song where there's like an iconic guitar riff or something you can go, oh I can latch onto that. But they use all the pieces of the band to to convey this feeling. You know, there's not yeah. one star, there's not one riff or one melody that's like, oh yeah, it, it's the whole picture. It's it's what the drums are doing in conjunction with the bass and the guitars and the vocals together with the lyrics that all combine. And I think that that's that's really masterful there when you're able to do that. Um, not to say that I don't love riffy songs and songs that have oh, highlight moments. I do but too. But when you're able to take 
everybody in the band and have them all play something that might not be flashy, it might not be catchy, or it might not be the most memorable thing, but it all puts, when you put it all together, you hear it as one sonic cohesive vision. And I think that's something really, really awesome. Yeah, like the, um, when the song kind of like resolves at the end, when like the full drum kit pick like comes in and the, that guitar solo happens, like there's strings kind of mixed in there and it's just, mm-hmm. it's just awesome. <laughs> like just the, the tones in that song are perfect. Like it just, it's to me, it's just the perfect execution of making the music fit the mood of the song of, of the lyrics of the song. Yeah. And I, yes, I do understand that Radiohood is very niche and very out there. But I hope you and I did a good enough job talking about the song that someone who's shied away from it will give it a shot. Yeah. And Radiohead definitely helps if you read the lyrics along with it. Like They do the thing that Tool does that I like where the vocals aren't up in front like the Four Year Strong song was. Mm-hmm. And most modern productions are where like you feel like the vocals are in your face and then the band's kind of behind you. Mm-hmm. They're behind the vocals, I should say. Where like Tool and Radiohead, like the vocals are very mixed into the song. Yeah. So I like that sometimes the lyrics are so quiet that I have to look them up. But looking mm-hmm. up lyrics and reading them as I listen to a song is something I like to do. Yeah, I like I like when when engineers and producers are able to to know the difference on when to do that and when not to do that. Um, so like for the Radiohead song, I think it's, it's a brilliant thing to have it all kind of blended in there. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like if you were to, if the, if, if, uh, Will Putney would have done that with the four year strong song, it would not have made any sense, you know, because mm-hmm. of the, of the song itself, it lends itself to having the vocals up front. Whereas yes. with Radiohead, it's like, no, like we're trying to paint this, this wash of, of colors all together and we're trying to make it all one thing. And this song um, is designed intentionally to be unclear. A- exactly. Yeah, not, exactly. Not tonally, but like. How Nick talked about in the podcast that we recorded yesterday that's going to be out before this one comes out, like, this song makes you see colors in a way, mm-hmm. like, and they're not bright. It's like, I see, like, weird, like, swirly dark reds and, like, yeah. blues. It's it's very, it's a very unsettling song. And I, and, and I think the credit there is for the engineer who, who knew how to mix those all these pieces together properly to get that vision out there. You know, right. I mean, it credits Radiohead for writing the song and, and giving the parts there, but the engineer was able to balance those in a way that it, it conveyed that. Yeah. So that's my, that's my thoughts on that song. I just, I, I've recently gotten into them. I, I'm so happy I have because it, it definitely filled a, a, a void in my musical soul that was missing. Mm-hmm. As I start to embrace my weird, I, like, I feel like I appreciate musical weird better. Yeah. more and I just uh, just the the ambience of that song just if all of that was taken away it wouldn't do what it does yeah so it's just crazy that like good good music can go from something like the four year strong song where it's just in your face and catchy and like you kind of want to do like a uh like not a hula and not a carlton but like a kind of combination of it Mm-hmm. to something like that and it's all technically the same skill set yeah. in a broad stroke definition it's just it's really rad so yeah. i will uh, bounce the ball back to your court my friend i think this is a a good 
good song to segue into mine because this I feel that this song is similar in the in the sense that it really it all it's this it's very colorful and there's a very big sonic vision there's not any like key riff or necessarily part now I mean you do have a chorus you do have this like this catchy chorus that I think comes in but it's not your typical kind of like poppy catchy chorus but there's an obvious defined um part that the song revolves around um god there's so much I, I i love about this song and this band but i think that one of the things i love how their lyrics really do kind of tie into the part of the song like when it opens up when the vocals first come in you've got these screamed vocals the integration has taken hold we have risen from our roots we have seen our vision through it's this very breakthrough moment of your consciousness becoming aware of things and it's it's this this aggressive almost almost anger like it's very heavy it's this tumultuous sound with with what the drums and the guitars are doing you got these distorted guitars um and then you you break through and i love how the the next lyric after that first phrase of the screaming is awareness and it breaks into this this ethereal very open thing uh, this very open part as if you've just you've awoken you've come out of the water you've risen up i, I feel like they do such a great job of um taking the the, the words which are are you know, words are very literal. I mean, they could be poetic, but like, you know, you hear a word and you're like, okay, I know what awareness is. But when you listen to just like an instrumental part, who knows what they could be intending with that. And I feel like they do such a good job of tying their lyrics in to the music. And the music, you hear the word awareness and you listen to music, and you're like, oh, I get that. I totally, the musicians are are, are conveying awareness. Um, yeah. I love the, um, so continuing with the, with the, the, the songwriting itself, um, just the way the song builds up, just, I mean, the, the title is so perfect, ebb and flow. The whole song just ebbs and flows, it, it ups and downs, and then you you get this huge rise there at the end with these layered vocals, drift with the ebb and flow, um, and then you bring back this, this angry consciousness, this awakening consciousness voice with the screaming, where the screaming is in sync now with the vocals, um, and then it all dips back down to just the this vocal this vocal round with the drift with the ebb and flow, sink in the ebb and flow. And you get this sense of like, almost like you're rocking on a boat and you're just drifting. And I just think the imagery of the song, it just is conveyed perfectly. Like there are no mistakes to how this song should make you feel or what they're trying to to say, you know? Yeah, it's it's a lot more vague than the, uh, the Radiohead tune. Uh, I just had this thought when you were, we were talking about it, like, uh, and it was triggered by the fact that like, we both have goofy backgrounds on our Zoom meeting right now. Uh, <laughs> you are still crossing the Delaware, which I respect. And I am uh, on the back end of Little Round Top when the, the 20th Maine charged, uh, did a bayonet charge down the, uh, down the mountain to the Confederate forces that were attacking. We, just have, we have two key victories in the preservation of American history behind us right now. But my point is, is that, like, an almost metaphorical way of saying it is like there's the uh, the old phrase a picture's worth a thousand words, mm-hmm. and I think to you the lyrics of the contortionist song sum up the sonic picture that is the the music and production of that song, yeah. and the sonic picture that was painted of the Radiohead song to me the lyrics of that song perfectly sum that up. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, I like that we both pick songs that are kind of uh, more 
ethereal and and um it's two songs that you need to sit down and listen to. Yeah, they're not but, they're not just oh, I mean, once you get into it, they're songs that you can just put on and, and listen to, but they're very much like listen to these songs, you know, the don't hear it, listen to it kind of yeah. thing. Um one of the production things about this song in this particular record, um, Jamie King uh produced and recorded it. Um the bass tone as a bassist, I fucking love the bass tone on this entire record. Um, you don't hear a lot. It did clear heavy drums. Hmm? It did clear heavy drums where like you can hear the, the pitch bend when the toms yeah. hit and like the decay in the room. It was... I w- yeah, I was gonna I was gonna get to that. I mean, the the, the whole, all the tones like for it, you know, it, I guess you could classify it as a metal record um, because mm-hmm. there are quite a bit of heavy parts, but even in those heavy parts... Um, they keep, he keeps a consistent tone that just works for, for everything on it. You know, it might not be the cleanest recording and mix of any of the songs that we've picked for today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This one was done in 2014. I was wrong about 2015. This is 2014. Um, yeah, no, I just, I love it. You have this very, you have these very ambient, and spacious parts that then all of a sudden go to these heavy parts, but the drums and the bass tone keep it laid down and keep it locked together. But I love how the drums, they're not crazily compressed and punchy. Like you said, they're very, you can hear the tone of the drums. You can hear the movement of the drums as if you're in the room. Um, But the bass tone, one of the things I, I love about the bass tone is like, you know, a lot of most modern metal players, they're using some type of bass with humbuckers um, and a lot of distortion and they're playing with a pick. Yep. But what I love about his is a lot of the times it's a pretty clean bass tone. Um, and you can tell he plays with his fingers because the bass tone is so round. And you yeah. don't you rarely ever hear that on metal records is a round bass tone. You generally always get a very attacky and plucky sound that kind of blends in with the guitars. Um because you're going for all that punch. You're going for that heaviness. Um but I just I love the, I love the choice. To, to do that and kind of keep this more jazzy, like jazz-like bass tone um, that's very warm and round and holds the bottom end together. Um, I, I think it's beautiful. And then that in conjunction with the, the synthesizers that then fill in that mid to high range, creating this, this, um, this ambience that kind of glues everything together. Um, that's what I love about the synths is the synths are never, um, they're not really playing a lot of riffs or parts necessarily they're just used to really keep the mood and keep everything glued together and in the same world you know yeah it's a it's they're there they serve their part like it's never going to be something that someone without a trained ear is going to pick up on initially mm-hmm. but my hope is that people who aren't audio or music nerds listen to this and then like listen to like the songs we're talking about and they're like oh like i've never heard that before because for me even now when i listen to records and i hear something that i haven't heard in the song before i get really excited it's like opening Mm -hmm. up a a christmas gift what did you think about the uh the kick drum tone i love i loved all of the drum tones on it um yeah I, i i was gonna say i love the kick drum tone it's one of my favorites because it's not it has enough brightness to it that it 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 cuts through and it, it gives you that it satisfies that that desire that a lot of us rock metal guys have to hear that kind of attacky kick drum, but it's not over the top. It still has that 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 uh, that low, not boominess, but that low solidness. That's very just the fat. punch. 
Yeah. Yeah, that that punch kind of more like old like more more rock kicks versus metal kicks. More metal kicks are that like you said clicky just tick that, tick tick tick. Yeah. Whereas this you really feel like, "Oh man, it's hitting me in the chest." But it's not it's not overdone. It's not overdone to the point where you're just like, "This doesn't make sense for the song." It's yeah, just it sounds fucking, like a kick drum and not like a Yeah. It's just I feel like it's such a perfectly chosen drum tone and whether there's samples blended with or not it was just very tastefully done yeah i like everything about it it's just one of those things that we always talk about like it's just musically out of my league Mm -hmm. where like for me it was very hard to like stay focused on it because it's what it's it's a very for lack of a better term it's a very jazzy type metal song yeah and the whole Um, record's like that for me it's my it's my generation my dark side of the moon you know it's my record gotcha. that i'll put on in a dark room close my eyes and just journey off um because the whole record is very spiritual very um understanding what consciousness is and kind of generating yeah. those kind of questions and feelings and it's it's very much a record that takes you on a journey if you let it um and i, I really enjoy that and then i enjoy being able to nerd out about it because there are all kinds of time signature changes yeah tempo changes um and I, i'm into that kind of stuff i like I like different feels. I like not knowing exactly what's going to happen next because, mm-hmm. you know, in our in our culture, in our world, 4-4 is the main time signature. It's oh, yeah. common time. And it's kind of like when you do that, and especially with more like mainstream you know, commercial style songs, you can generally predict where it's going to go. You're not going to mm-hmm. be surprised. Whereas I like being surprised. I like being like, whoa, I did not expect that. Or I like all of a sudden being off put by an odd time signature and being like, yeah. oh, whoa, this feels different. Um I like something that makes me feel something. I, I mean, I enjoy. It, don't get me wrong. I, I've got my my guilty pleasure like dance music where it's just, and it's like just that solid beat that just yeah. keeps you moving. But I also like this stuff where it just it keeps me moving forward and journeying and being like, oh, what's this path? Where am I going now? We're taking a left turn instead of just straight all the way through. Yeah, I mean, it took me several listens to start to appreciate it. Like the more I listen to it, the more I do appreciate it. It's just. Again, it's just the difference in taste thing. Where like mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I like my odd time, and you know, fairly proggy style of music. But I've definitely found that the, the proggier stuff that I like still has more of an open arrangement, and it's more, it's more drum, driven. Yeah. Whereas like in this song, it's like mad respect to it because the drums aren't the driving force, which is weird. Mm-hmm. to say in a heavier style of music it it's just crazy that that's that yeah, no, they kind of off like it's a little uh, the the drumming is a little bit jazz influenced in terms of oh. it's kind of it's 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 not so much i mean it's definitely very rhythmic there are a lot of really interesting rhythms that he does but there's a lot of cymbal play a lot of tom play that's really musical not yeah. that all drums aren't musical, but it's it's more melodic than it is necessarily purely rhythmic. Yeah, I love the drumming in it. It was very... I don't know if it's just because like the guitar stuff is so busy and the, the time signature changes are so over the top. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that like when... Like the, the, the polyrhythmic and polymeter stuff that I dig on is very... It's just... I like open guitar arrangements, and that's just what I dig on. Mm-hmm. So, like, when when Tool does crazy time signature changes, it's the guitar parts are usually still open, so I don't get mm-hmm. like tripped up on a melody. 
or like Meshuggah when they do it, it's all like just percussive kind of stabs on the guitar. Yeah. So like when I listen to odd time stuff, like that's what I I personally gravitate more towards. And I'm happy you picked this song because it's it's breaking me of that, but it's still not I can't listen to this song as comfortably as I can those songs because I'm trying to understand what's going on, but I mm-hmm. don't understand what's going on. Yeah, no, and I and I and I love that about about what these guys do. Um, is that like the guitar playing and the bass playing is it's it's rhythmic and it's very melodic with the with the time signatures in that I love how I like the Radiohead song. I feel like the vocals, the guitar, the bass, and the drums all blend together um, to create this openness. That not one part is necessarily open. One might be very busy, but it's busy in in a certain spectrum. It's busy melodically or it's busy rhythmically, and it all ties together um, very very nicely. And it creates just this this gorgeous portrait. Yeah, one day it's gonna click, and I'm gonna be like, I get it. And like I find <laughs> I listen- like I I listen to it and I kept up with it the whole time, but it. it does that thing musically where I feel like I have to have a notebook out when I'm listening to it and be mm-hmm. like, okay, so they're doing this, but then they reverted back to this, and from that they could go to wherever. I would just put the record on one day. Just listen to the whole record. I think listening to the whole record really helps you get into a vibe. Um, yeah. Because the whole record, it's it's kind of conceptual, you know? Yeah. You, I mean, like I like listening to, to one or two songs by themselves, but you get... I feel like you get so much more out of it with with this this genre and this style by listening yeah. to the whole record, especially this one. They've got some other records that you can uh, the songs are a little bit more um, segmented, uh, but with this record, it's definitely like it's it's one big song that they cut into multiple songs yeah. for the record. You know, it's definitely like I would recommend just listening to this from front to back um, and just just let go. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Just let go. Don't try to figure out what's going on, but just See where it takes you. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying. I, I'm not. It's just <laughs> my my ignorance of of complex music theory and composition are are preventing me. I'm in a terrible gray area, which I usually think is a beautiful gray area. But this song has flipped it. Like I think I'm in a nice gray area where I know enough about music to appreciate the hard things, and I know enough about production to a- appreciate it as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I feel that this is an album where once I get better with that stuff, I will appreciate it. Yeah. But if I was just a fan of prog and I wasn't a musician and I just like prog music, I would love it. Because I like each part individually, like soloed. Like, I love what the drums are doing. I Mm -hmm. love the guitar. I love the bass. But once it's all added up, it's just overwhelming to me right now. No, I totally get that. I mean, I, I get overwhelmed by it too. Um, maybe in a different way, but I, I would definitely call this overwhelming. Yeah. But it's not an uncomfortable overwhelming. It's just a like, it's a lot. It's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on like musically. There's a lot going on emotionally. There's a lot going on tonally. It's, it's a very overwhelming thing. And I think that's one of the things that I like about this band is that I, I can't look away, you know, like I can't, I can't let my ear drift off somewhere else because it it just, it gets pulled in because I'm like, whoa, I can't stop the song before it ends. Yeah. There's just so much information that I, I, I enjoy that because I find with a lot of music and this song is an extreme example of that, but I find with a lot of music, there's not enough information. It's, it's too, 
it's too simple and not necessarily simple as in like the chord progression or the time signature, but just, just the overall vibe of the song. It's just like, there's not a lot here. There's not a lot here emotionally. There's not a lot here like yeah, sonically. Like, Whereas this, it's just, it's extremely just everything is there. Like there's so much going on and I really like that. And I like it because like emotions aren't simple either which is the point, mm-hmm. like the point of art is to create an emotional response and connection with others, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah. Where like I, a lot of modern, more commercially accessible songs are like, you know within the first four bars of the song if it's going to be like a party jam or a bummer jam or uh, I, that's kind of it on the radio yeah. or an I'm sorry jam, like, that's kind of it. Whereas this one, uh, the intro, like the, was very anxious. Like the, the roomy crushed drum thing that was going on. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the, the drum groove and the song opened up like just when I was like wanting that part to end. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, well, I will say, uh, maybe one of the, the poor, decisions on my point was this song kind of is segued into from the previous song okay um like i said this whole record is kind of i feel i feel it's meant to be listened to as a whole because every song really kind of just goes into one another it's very much like uh like a like a symphony or an orchestra orchestral piece where it's like you've got your different sections but it really all is but it's it's one yeah, yeah exactly yeah um Kind of like another one of my favorite prog records, Colors by Between the Barry and Me. <laughs> Stay uh, tuned for the next episode when I bring that shit up. <laughs> we'll do a whole man, podcast I, about that I record. went simpler for, for <laughs> my two next picks. <laughs> I forget uh, what I sent you. Oh, I haven't sent you anything yet, you have didn't I? didn't send me. I sent yeah, you mine okay. last night, I think. Yeah, you sent me yours last night. Yeah, I, gotta, I, gotta, I still haven't got to think about that. Well, maybe don't, we'll announce that on the next podcast. Don't say it on here. Just text me. I won't. Yeah. Um, Shh. <laughs> Yeah, and but, then, uh, like, so, I think you touched on it earlier, like, the layered screams at the end, like, give it this, like, perceived hugeness, but it's not louder, which is It's cool. not, no, and I love that. I love how it just gets bigger. Because it's bigger wide. is different than louder. Yeah. It, it gets deeper and wider. It's just, it's incredible. It really just, again, like the, in a different way, but like the, the, the Four Year Strong song, I, I love how the end is huge. I love how it builds up to that, because I want finales to be finales you know say that with a a fancy accent and it sounds better um but i like endings to be huge and to feel like i'm concluding and and in whatever way whether it's a happy conclusion a sad conclusion an uncertain one i want to feel like it's concluding i don't want to just have like oh we brought it back again here we go here's the course yeah Yeah, you know i want i want it to be like yeah here we go We've, we've taken you somewhere yeah, it did that. I, my initial like knee jerk reaction, my notes sounded so mean because I listened <laughs> to it the first time and I ended on a note. Oh, I gotta find it. <laughs> and I said, uh, going back to the proggy stuff that I listen to, everyone's tired of me hearing about Tool, but they're <laughs> my favorite proggy band, so that's what I'm gonna talk about. And this is my podcast, so I <laughs> hang on. We have not talked about Limp Biscuit yet. Oh, we have not. We just did, so we can continue. Um, okay, cool. We gotta mention them once every every podcast for yes. the next year. <laughs> my, my the entirety of my life is me just gonna be talking about Limp Bizkit. Uh, focus, Adam. Focus. When I when I listen to Tool, it takes me on a journey. So I equated it like 
Tool to me is like doing a five mile hike on the battlefield where like I started here and I walked and I observed all this. Like my knee jerk reaction to this first listen through was like, it felt like running in place for five miles, mm. like on a treadmill where it was like a lot happened, but I'm not sure what all happened, mm-hmm. but it could just be because I didn't listen to the whole album. I just listened to the song. Yeah. And it's, it's really funny because the way you describe this is how I would describe Tool. Because <laughs> that's how I feel. Like, I, I, I appreciate I that, Tool. And the I, Contortionist I like... is the anti-Tool. <laughs> they are. I feel like they are. Um, yeah, and I feel like they are, and I, I like that. But it, it's funny. It's just, it's just our two different preferences. Because for me, I, just, I don't get that journey from Tool. I always just feel like, when's something going to happen? Oh, um, uh, see, because I feel completely different, where it's just like... With the contortionist, I was like, yep, something happened. I just don't know what. We're like, Tool, I'm like, yeah, that happened, and that's when it was supposed to happen. Like, it, mm-hmm. It's just cool that, as I said, as I've said before, like, people always lump us into, like, the same kind of musical stuff, like broad stroke, but we're so different. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just fun to dissect this stuff. But with that said, let's move into a song that is by a band that we both love and hold dear to our hearts and both have long experiences with. I just want to say that every time I've seen them live, they've played this song. Really? Yes. All. Oh, hell yeah. Four times. Three times. Four times. Four times. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my final pick is The Earth Will Shake by Thrice off of Visu. Great um, record. Yes, it is a... Uh, my perfect album list is not very long, and this record is on my perfect album list. Uh, and the cool thing was that in February of 2020, before we all had to shelter in place, I went out one night and I saw them play this record in their entirety, and it was phenomenal. It was by far one of the greatest nights of my life. Not only because I got to see a, sentiment, a sentimental record to me, played front to back and the b-sides their encore they played my favorite thrice song of all time so uh pretty cool and what's that uh circles off of beggars hell yeah it's a very introspective and emotional song and i like to think that i'm an introspective and uh emotional guy and i got to hang out with their front of house guy which was just satisfying on all all music nerd levels if if you're a music nerd or an audio nerd and your favorite bands in a drivable distance, I highly recommend that you look up who their front of house guy is and send them a message online and ask if you can pick their brain. Yes, definitely. They're generally, it was, they're generally pretty down to talk. Mike was the man. And then he said next time they're in town, we could hang out again. So I'm going to hit him up. Oh, that's awesome. So I remember not really knowing anything about audio like I I remember being like 13 and on the bus one day like going to middle school with my headphones in and this song starts with a very lo-fi old sounding intro that sounds like it was like I feel like a slave chant is like the wrong song but like a like a a a a, a chain gang like prison song Mm -hmm. I know what you mean what it is It, it sounds like That's what it sounds like. And I just remember being little like, oh, man, it's so cool that they made it sound like this was sang by like people in a prison cell or, a, or like the bottom of a ship 
like yeah or some kind of like like on the railroads all being forced to work or something like that that kind of that group group yeah. song which is the the theme of the song is about um imprisonment uh either literal or metaphorical whichever way you want to take it um but it does a, a a bread and butter musical thing for me that I like, where it's heavy but it's open. Mm-hmm. Where like this, there's a, a lot, lot of, of is like there's that. a lot of changes in the song. I think it like it starts in four, and then there's parts of seven, and then there's other parts of three or six, depending on how you want to count it. Yeah. Um. Which, unlike the contortionist, I feel. Uh, again, uh, this sounds like a knock. It's just a, a comparison. <laughs> the time change, the ti- the time signature changes in the thrice song are not very apparent. It's it's very smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is very very smooth. You'd never notice if you weren't actually trying to listen for it. Yeah. Um, also, like this is just a good workout song. Like whenever I'm on the the bike, like the the stationary bike, and I'm I'm feeling gassed, I put this song on. I'm I'm good for another twenty after it. Like it just gets me going. Yeah. Um, one uh, of the one of the things that I love I love about this song and I love about um, Dustin Dustin's writing in general is his format of his lyrics and the way that he phrases things um, because um, unlike I, I don't think any of the other songs um, there is a there's a lot more it's very poetic in the way that it's phrased. I don't, I don't know what type of meter it would be. Like, you know, you've got Shakespeare, iambic pentameter and other stuff like that. I don't know what it is, but like, you can just read it and it sounds musical. You know, we dream of ways to break these iron bars. We dream of black nights without moon or stars. We dream of tunnels and of sleeping guards. We dream of blackouts in the prison yard. Like you can automatically put a rhythm to it. And, uh, and you know, do you know what I mean by that? There's an automatic bounce and flow to it. Um, no one writes, in the in the way that he does, yeah, and I mean, comparing I it to the comparing it to the other songs, you know, there there are every line is kind of structured a little bit differently. There's not as much of a flow. Now it works in those songs, but one of the things that I love about about Dustin is I feel like it. That's one of the things that really adds to to his melodies that he sings is because mm-hmm. they're already melodic just as as writing, you know. Yeah, like before you even put notes to them. Just in, in, in the writing itself, when you read it, you can get a sense of, of melody and rhythm already starting to form. Um, and I, I think it's really, really wonderful. Um, I also just love he, him lyrically because it's so it's so vague that you, the listener can ascribe whatever meaning they want to about it. I mean, I think it's vague in the sense of like, is it, literal is it yeah that's what um, i meant okay because because one because what i was going to say is i love how he every song you can tell he has something to say yeah i feel like sometimes there are songs where you're like what are you like i feel like you don't have anything to say and you just wrote this because you thought it sounded good whereas i I find with a lot of his music especially this song it's like he clearly felt something just by looking at the lyrics and reading them you're like okay he really had something in mind when he wrote this yeah he, he paints a good visual picture where like his lyrics, like when you read a book and you and you see the book in your head, mm-hmm. like his lyrics do that to me. Where like yeah. he he does paint a story, but the meaning of the story is open for interpretation. Like where he he almost like it does that weird Kurt Vonnegut thing, not not stylistically and rhythmically, but like mm-hmm. it's 
it's open and and you see the story, but you're allowed to paint interpret the picture it of how the character. Want. Yeah, no, I like that comparison. Uh, just dawned on me right now, and I, uh, <laughs> I'm really proud of that. So you mean that wasn't in your notes? <laughs> no, that was. Uh, I just thought of that right now, so I just applauded myself. <laughs> and now I forgot the next point that I was gonna make. But <clears throat> oh, I was gonna, like another, a band that Thrice gets compared to often is uh, Circa Survive, and I feel like Anthony Green. I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. I feel like Anthony Green's kind of the opposite in his lyrics, where like. Sometimes they're just kind of nonsensical because the delivery and the the performance is more important. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying yeah. that he doesn't write good lyrics ever. Like I find Anthony Green's lyrics to be very much more stream of consciousness. Like yes. he's just got he's got a feeling, he's got some emotion he's feeling, and so he just starts to write. He always um, captivates me. Like yeah, he's and I phenomenal. find his stuff. His music is very emotional, and I find the lyrics emotional, even though when you just there uh, to to compare it if you in the didn't same have way, the music and you just it, read yeah, it you just it, read it you'd be like what you but know it, but the when way you hear he him delivers sing, it mm-hmm. makes it make sense where yeah, i feel like, like i totally get you this can, yeah i could print out every thrice lyric and give it to someone and they they would read it in a way that would 90% of the time flow with the song that's happening mm-hmm. yeah um I just I love how it's it's heavy, open, experimental. That when it goes to the bridge and it's just the bass and the drums carrying it, and there's a little bit of like guitar melody left and right. Like that's it's a, a thrice thing that they pull off so well, where they can go really really heavy, but then they can just lay back and find the pocket and almost give you like a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of. It's kind of like coming down off the top of a roller coaster where you hit just like a flat straight line and not necessarily with the aggressiveness and the speed, but the way that you've just gone on this big peak and then all of a sudden now you've just smoothed out. It's very smooth the way it's, it just It's comes relaxing down. for like mm-hmm. 20 or 30 seconds before you ramp up again. Yeah. But yeah. The, the bass tone in that part that I just noticed today is that there's a clean part that's mixed kind of further back uh-huh. that's almost giving it like the this it's smooth and it gives it groove and swing and then there's a gritty bass tone mixed in that's more up front that's giving it like aggression and movement and attitude to yeah. ramp you back up to the uh to the chorus and this song really has uh, real quick I want to talk about that I I love I like that I love that part too because I find like a lot of times with bass guitar um there's never a lot of depth to it it always is just kind of anchored you know, because yeah. it, it is, it's an, it's an anchoring instrument. It's that anchor between the drums and the, and the guitar. But I like that because it's like, oh wow, now the bass has this, this depth and this movement that typically guitars would have. But in, in yeah. this case, the bass does that. It's like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. You don't hear that a lot. I love melodies played on a bass guitar and that part does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it just allows it to ramp back up. But the song really is just a variation of two different choruses with some mm-hmm. other lines thrown in. Um, I don't know, like, cause it was, it released in, it was released in 2005, which is a very, that was when like the smashy smash on the, on the bus, like on master mm-hmm. buses and, and mastering started to happen. So, oh yeah, I, I like the, the sonic depth of field that is portrayed, but there's a weird compression thing going on with the vocals. 
mm-hmm. I felt were like they're almost inaudible in the screaming parts. And I don't know if it was A, I remember reading something where Dustin said he wasn't super confident in his in his vocals at that point. So I don't know mm-hmm. if he just asked it to the vocals to be mixed back a little bit. Yeah. Or that, if they were could be that could be very true. You know? Or if they As were mixed myself. so up front that it's triggering some weird compression that's going on in the hmm. in the mastering stage. I, I I would I would probably honestly lean towards more the first one. I just think it's A. I, as a vocalist myself, like I've I've done that before, where I've had parts where I'm like, man, I really want that part there, but I just feel like it's not, it's just not coming out the way I heard it in my head. But I feel like it still deserves to be there. So hey, just mix that back a little bit. Can you do, can yeah. you do like some kind of effect to that to kind of you know push it back or do something like that? And I find that's probably more more likely than the end, like a not a mistake, but more than a, a an oversight by the engineer. Yeah, and I love how this song is so gang chanty, but it's mm-hmm. not cheesy. Yeah, like I it mean, just makes nowadays, you want to yell the responses. Yeah, nowadays, nowadays, fucking the gang vocals and chanty kind of shit is so overdone. It's all so fucking cheesy, you know. And so I like yeah. these these songs where it was still kind of new and fresh, and it's also just done tastefully. You yeah, know? like when even live, like everyone does the like in the the one one chorus, like Dustin always screams "Heartbroken, we found," and then the audience would always scream like a gleam of hope. Yeah. So it does the call and response thing. Like on the album, it's just him doing both parts, but it's done in a way where when you when you see it live, like you want to yell the response mm-hmm. with the band, which adds. It's just a very good live song that was, because sometimes like you listen to a song, you're like that song is going to go over great live, but the recording of it is just the album version just doesn't do it for you. Yeah. I feel like that could be a really cool topic to talk about on maybe one of these. Um, yeah, is talking about songs, uh, their studio versions versus their live versions, um, and in terms of like actually being there in show and how like certain songs go over very well live and like they when you hear them on record you're like oh yeah that's gonna be amazing like the like, songs that have some of those gang vocal or those those back and forths call and response. Yeah, like climbing up the walls would be very hard to pull off live. Yeah, because it's it's a very intimate song. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Radiohead's ever done it. I haven't dug that far in. I just the albums are good enough for me. Mm-hmm. But then it does another uh, another production element that really just I love, and it's the the organ and Leslie swells leading up to the uh, to the breakdown. Yeah, and being younger and not knowing, you know anything about audio production when it cuts out and it just does the stomp and the clap for the, uh, when it calls back to the intro and the bridge that was, was like, I, I don't know what this is, but it's the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no, I, I love this song. I think uh, but I love, I love too how they, cause this was after this. Yeah. This was after artists the, in the ambulance. Yeah. Um, and I love how they did start kind of really branching out to a lot more dynamic choices, yes. um, musically and, and production wise. This is probably one of the least exciting productions on the record. Like, But it does its job. It's one of the more straightforward songs, but it's mm-hmm. also one that I just always gravitate to, and I was just yeah. listening to it all day bef- uh, on the day that we initially made these playlists. So it was, uh, it was just rad. Um, Visu is just such a great record, and this song's heavy and it's just motivating, but it's not overwhelming to me to my tastes at least um yeah no i don't think so either i think it's a 
I think it's a song that a lot of people could easily get into without needing any kind of um, prior listens or, or understanding of the band. And it's definitely a song to listen to to get people into Thrice because it was when they first started getting very experimental. But it's just such a perfect blend of, of experimental and heavy. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I just love it. All hail Thrice. All damn straight. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all my all my notes yeah. on it. I just so I think it's safe to say that we we definitely got a lot out of these songs. You know, in terms yeah. of what I li- what you sent, what I listened to that you recommended, and what I listened to that or what you listened to that I recommended. No one's um, feelings were hurt in the making. Of yeah, no, podcasts. I think this is very uh, really really awesome and. Um, I think it'd be kind of cool too. Eventually, if we could, um, and this goes out to people, if they can help us out, be able to start some kind of discussion, have people comments on the podcast or something like that, and kind of give their thoughts too. Um, yeah, that would be uh, that would be great. See people, you know, I mean, I, I say it all the time, but that's like really the purpose of this is just to create a healthy discussion about differing tastes. Yeah, because like you get it, like, and I get it too. Like, you know, we're both. We're both recording guys, and like you know, sometimes people are scared of the word producer, mm-hmm. and it's not like I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing curveballs at you. Like you know, I'm this is batting practice. Like I'm I'm trying to do stuff that'll make sure that you you hit the home run. Like yeah, exactly. It's like without good production, your song is not going to come across the way that it should. You know. Yeah, and it, it's all, you know, it's all just connecting to people emotionally. But like this song was hard for me to break down and I'm happy I chose it because it's always been a song that I've loved. So mm-hmm. songs that are like that are kind of harder to break down because you don't know why you've liked it. You've just always... Yeah. And especially when you when you liked them before you even really got into the industry. Yeah. You know? like As in like playing music out mm-hmm. live, being part of a band, and then also even just being an audio engineer. Um, so yeah, I think next week I'll... Or for our next one... I'll definitely, I'll pick some songs. I'll pick one song that was from my, my past before I ever got into any of this. I did that. And I'll also pick a new one. So I'll, I'll do that for the next one to see how that kind of opens up some, some thoughts for myself. Cool. Well, we are, we are approaching an hour and a half, and I feel that that's a good, a good yeah. length episode. Thank and you guys for uh, tuning in to those of you out there listening. We hope you enjoyed our picks. And uh, Yeah, so I'm going to, we're recording this on a Friday. I'm going to post... A picture of the playlist, and uh, I'll see if I can make it play uh, like a, a public iTunes. Are you a Spotify guy or no? I'm a I, uh, Apple Music guy, but okay. Well, I'll look into making uh, some form of accessible playlist of this to all platforms. So yeah, I'll post it on Sunday for people to listen to, and then I will post this episode up next Friday. Uh, I might post two on Tuesday. Yeah. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Shall we say farewell to the listeners? <laughs> uh yeah, I don't have uh, anything else to add. Well, uh thank you thank you guys again for listening for those of you out there. We hope you enjoyed it and uh, we hope that we beautiful people woke awoken some new interest in some music you may not have checked out before. Yes. I would like this to go on to, uh long enough that you know, maybe we can get some recommendations one day. Yeah, have people send in theirs. And my other plans that I haven't, that I texted with you the other day that I'm going to be vague about because it's all yeah. just a thought at this point. But 
all right, everybody, uh, enjoy uh, your music listenings, and uh, you know what? Do some homework. Why don't you? Uh, why don't all you listeners uh, branch out a little bit? Listen to something that you uh, normally wouldn't go to, and try to break it down because it's fun. Very fun. Alrighty. This hey. has been the uh, backseat playlist breakdown episode one. Boom! Q sick metal breakdown. Ba-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yes, love it. Bye.